0: inspiring episode. A few years ago I heard about my guest who is on this week as being an incredible speaker so I added him to my list of people I wanted to meet, but also as a dream to hear him speak. And as you may know, I am a big believer of just putting it down, your dreams and people you want to meet without really thinking about how that's going to happen, because it all starts to work. And not long after, I got an invitation to speak in Vietnam. This is a few years ago. And believe it or not, Warren Rostand, who is the guest today, was one of the speakers. Warren Ruston is an incredible, inspiring speaker and such an amazing person who is also a serial entrepreneur, educator and a public servant. Warren served as an appointment secretary to President Gerald Ford, has been a chairman or CEO of 17 companies and has served on the board of more than 20 others. Throughout his career, Warren has dedicated time to educating others and improving the human condition wherever he finds it. He was a previous chairman of the World Presidents Organization, so WPO, and is the Dean of Leadership for the Entrepreneurs Organization, EO, which I am a member of. He also played for the MBA and has built a purpose-driven life. He is also the author of his new book, The Leader Within, which is one of the things we're going to discuss in today's episode. And we are going to talk about the basic principles of what he calls a life by design. That is a life that through deliberate choice and hard work reflects the vision and aspiration of the person living it. These are the same principle that Warren used in his own life and has taught to many other people around the world. So no matter where you begin, no matter your age or ability or circumstances, there is always the possibility for growth, for redemption and for success. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode where we discuss so many inspiring ways on how we can live our dream life, including how to overcome the dream killer. We are also covering Warren's three principles of leadership his 5 Principles of Personal Greatness, Warren's 1-10-10-10 ritual, I love that, how you can create your personal vision statement, the 4 most important buckets in your life, and how greatness is a choice. And so much more. I cannot wait to share this super inspiring episode, it's probably one of my favourites. He is one of the most inspiring speakers I have ever seen, and my dream after seeing him is to become as good a speaker as he is. got a few years, he's a little bit older than me, so I've got a few years to work that out. But I will stop talking here, and let's start the episode. Welcome, Warren. I am so excited to have you.
1: Thank you very much. I am excited as well to be speaking with you once again. You and I enjoyed meeting for the first time in Vietnam over a year ago. We had a wonderful audience there. We did some interesting teaching. And I've been a follower and admirer of you ever since.
0: You are so kind. Thank you. I absolutely loved meeting you. And I don't know if I told you this after, but when I got to um, Vietnam and I've heard so much about you being an EO. You're well known in the EO. So and for anyone who's listening, that's the Entrepreneurs Organization. And when I heard you were a speaker, I was like I cannot wait to see you. But then, of course, I realized that I'm going to be a speaker too. Uh, so I felt very <laughs> intimidated and nervous, and I was incredibly pleased to know that I was the speaker before you, because once I heard you, I was like, there's no way that I could speak after you. But one of the things that I got out of meeting you and hearing you speak is that I decided, so I put your beautiful picture on my vision board, and I decided that by the time I'm your age, I am going to to be as good speaker as you so that's a dream
1: first of all you're an excellent speaker and i enjoyed listening to you. your message was outstanding you really thrilled the audience so that was not a problem so i hope i can be as good a speaker as you someday but number two is you shouldn't have your my picture on your on your wall because it might make you sick someday so and if, if you wait until you're my age you have another 50 years to go so that's the problem
0: <laughs> I wish, I wish that's where. no, it's a, it reminds me to keep going and knowing that you know, I have a few years to get better. I've come a long way in terms of you know not loving public speaking, and I think a lot of us feel that way when we start out. But actually let's just get right into speaking about you. and I'm all about dreaming, so I would love to know as a child, did you have a dream in terms of something you wanted to do or something you wanted to become?
1: I did. In fact, as a young man growing up, born on a farm, born in relative poverty, I had a dream that one day I might be an athlete and I might have a chance to play uh, basketball at a high level, for example. And uh, over my time, I continued with that as I grew and developed and began playing basketball. And then as it turned out, I was uh, given a college scholarship to play basketball. And then beyond that, I had a chance to play professional basketball for a brief period of time. So, Yes, I believe in dreams, and I believe in visioning and visualization, and I believe if we do that, we have a much higher possibility of achieving our goals and objectives than if we don't do that. So I think dreams are really critical and important for us.
0: Yeah, I could not agree more. For anyone who might not know you yet, I would love to, just for you to maybe talk about your journey so people get to know you a little bit better before we dive into your amazing book.
1: Well, thank you very much. The short version is I was a Minnesota farm kid, moved to Southern California when I was 12, learned to surf, play basketball, went to the University of Arizona, played basketball there, and then was drafted by the Golden State Warriors, met my wife at the University of Arizona. We were married. We've been married 57 years. We have seven children, 19 grandchildren. We're different than most American families. Our entire family lives on a small farm in the city of Tucson, Arizona, together. So when I leave my office, which is about a five minute drive to my home. I have uh, 19 grandchildren to play with and our seven children are there. And so it's all fun. It's just great. They've all built homes there, which is terrific. I was a White House fellow through a nationally competitive process, ended up working for the vice president of the United States and then the president of the United States. So I spent about four years in Washington DC and uh, then went back to the private sector and I've been the CEO of six companies ranging from relative early stage startup to multi-billion dollar companies and taken three of those companies public. We've had a lot of fun. Life is uh, challenging, but good.
0: Love your story. And um, coming from poverty and from a farm, I grew up on a farm too, and ending up in the White House. How did you get your head around that? Because that would have been a complete mind shift.
1: Well, it is. And I think probably, Christine, you and I have similar experiences in that as we have our dreams and as we reach for those dreams and want to fulfill those dreams, we find ourselves achieving new things and new heights and having new experiences along the way and each experience, I believe, builds on other experiences. And so it's an aggregation, if you will. And so I ended up at the White House at 29 years old, very young to be in the White House. I was the youngest member of the senior team. And if you think about the senior team in the White House at that time, and I'll drop these names just to impress those listening to this. (laughs) Okay, Christina. So if I were to give you some names, it was Dick Cheney, Don Rumsfeld, Brent Scowcroft, Jim Baker, Bob Gates, Henry Kissinger, Colin Powell. That was the senior team with me in the White House. So they had tremendous experience. They were brilliant men and they were great people. And I had a chance to to learn a great deal from them. And so each day when I went to work, I I was just excited to go to work, to be going to the White House, to the presidency, to do my job every day. The adrenaline was flowing every single day. And there are no small issues that come to the president of the United States. Only big issues come to the president of the United States. So I got to see some of the biggest, most complex issues in the world and watch really brilliant men and women deal with them. And that was a great learning experience for me. And I think it shaped my thinking for everything that happened after the White House. Many of the relationships that were created in the White House helped me after the White House, including forming companies and developing companies and building companies and so forth. So, I learned a great deal and it was a phenomenal time of my life from age 29 to 33 to be there uh, was an exhilarating experience in every way. I
0: bet, I bet. Let's talk about your amazing book, The Leader Within Us. I absolutely loved it and I agreed with everything you said there and I loved hearing more about your journey in the book as well. There was three principle of leadership that you spoke about. And I think you said in the book that you talk about that every person consciously or subconsciously makes decisions based on their vision, intent, and values. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about the three principles and what we can do to, um, to put them into our own lives.
1: Well, thank you very much for asking. My life history has taught me many things. And what it's taught me is the notion of creating a clarity of vision, which is the first great principle, I believe, of leadership. Every great leader that I've known has a clear understanding of where they're going. They know the journey they're on. They can see the road ahead. And They've visualized it. They've dreamed it. They have it in their vision. And so the first step in becoming a leader, I believe, is to have clarity of vision. And whether that's in our business, our family, our community, or for ourselves, I think we clearly have to see who we are and where we're going. And for me, that means creating that vision, let's say five years down the road, and then for me to walk into that vision and to feel and taste and smell and be a part of that vision such that I know that's where I'm going. I can see it as clearly as watching television. And then I walk myself backwards to my present state. And along the way, I create the milestones that I have to achieve in order to be in that vision. And so the first is clarity of vision. The second great principle then is certainty of intent, meaning that if that's my vision, if that's where I wanna go, then I have to intentionally act on that vision every day. I have to be working toward those milestones and achieving those milestones that will get me to my vision. So the certainty of intent is important. And you and I have both heard the term over many years, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There are lots of people who have good intentions. I intended to call my mom. I intended to lose 10 pounds. I intended to pursue that job opportunity. But for some reason, we don't act on the intent. And intent standing alone is insufficient to achieve our dreams. We have to act intentionally. So intentionality must be tied to action. And so it's that clear vision and then intentionality that gives us the opportunity to succeed. The third great principle is the power of values. It's the notion that that which lies deep within us, the non-negotiables in our life, the core beliefs and values, those are the guideposts on the highway that keep us moving forward without going off the road to achieve our vision. And so these guideposts are really important. So we have to know who we are. And Stephen Covey said in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said there are three great principles of truth to every human being. The first is when they determine what their core beliefs and values are. The second great moment of truth is when they commit to those core beliefs and values. And the third great moment of truth is when they act on those core beliefs and values. So that which lies deepest within us, the essence of who we are, that's what powers us every day. That's what guides us every day through the good times and the bad times. And, Christina, you and I have had both. I've not I've not always had success. I've certainly had some failures in my life personally, professionally. How we deal with that, how we react to that are really the values that we adhere to and believe because it builds our values, build our resiliency. It builds our ability to overcome adversity. So those are the three great principles, foundational philosophical, directional principles for leaders. Uh, We have to have a clear vision, we have to act with intent, and then we have to believe in those values that we have. And when we do that, the chances and opportunities for us to be successful in achieving our dreams is certainly in front of us.
0: I love them all, and I actually love to talk. And I think in the, in their book you talk about overcoming the dream killer. So I love the certainty of intent, and I think a lot of us have that. I think the what a lot of people find difficult, me included, sometimes, is to act. So how do we overcome, you know, the obstacles and the dream killer of of actually not taking action?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great because all of us stumble on that one sometimes. You know, I wish I could say I was perfect in that. I'm certainly not, but I work hard at it every day. Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, said this. Greatness is a choice. It's not circumstance. It's discipline and choice. So this notion is for us to be great, we have to choose to be great. No one can hand us greatness. No one can say here you're a great athlete or you're a great writer or you're a great actress, right? Those are things we have to earn through hard work and discipline. And it's the hard work and discipline that oftentimes causes us to fail because hard work is hard. It's not always easy. And so in the morning, all of us, let's say, would like to work out every morning, get a good physical exercise in the morning. But the alarm goes off or our cell phone goes off to wake us up and it's easy to hit the snooze button and roll over and not work out and you know the thing that strikes me is that nobody cares if you do that no one cares the only person that hurts is you and the world is not built and designed for people who feel it's built and designed for people who do the world is about doing and we have to get up and do the workout we have to eat properly we have to think the right things right we have to put our mind in a place to be successful so the dream killer is the lethargy or it's the sluggishness or it's the lack of discipline that keeps us on track and all of us will slip off sometimes the sidewalk or the railing or the highway into the ditch for a while and then we got to climb back up and, and get going again so it's a common human failing it's rare when we see people who are so so committed and disciplined that they can disregard everything else and do exactly what they're supposed to do every day. But that's the goal. That's the dream. That's where we want to be. Because when we do that, we'll have much better outcomes than if we don't.
0: Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And actually, my book, Your Dream Love starts here as a digital course to support people who need a bit more help to um, achieve their dreams. And I've also, as part of that, created a habit challenge club because I find once we start just choosing one thing that we would like to add or remove depending on what habit it is once you get momentum everything starts flow so um, i always combine those two to when you work on your dream life whatever that is and then adding a habit that supports that often that means exercise or meditation or something that just makes you feel personally really great to tackle all the hard stuff so I could not agree more. And um, we're all humans and we sometimes miss it and then we'll just go back. And that's why having that kind of support has been really great for the group, me included.
1: Oh, I think that's really important. Having a, a close, intimate, supporting mate, significant other, spouse, family members, close relationships, an accountability partner, those kinds of things make all the difference sometimes in our ability to get up and get going and achieve or not. And I talk about it in the book, but something I've been practicing for about 40 years is I believe it's really important as to how we wake up in the morning, how we get ready for the day. And so I talk about what I call 10, 10, and 10. And it's quite simple. It's as soon as we realize we're awake, our eyes are open. Let's sit on the edge of our bed for about a minute. And let's ask ourselves the question, why am I alive today? Why has my life been spared for today? Meaning, what is my purpose for the day? What what am I going to do today? What's my highest priority for the day? So once we decide what our purpose is for the day, we will become more productive than if we don't have a purpose. We know that from research, right? So people with purpose tend to be more productive than those without a purpose. So it's this notion of fixating on what we have to do over the course of the day that's important. We're not talking about a to-do list here. We're talking about higher level priorities, and so if you know in the morning I may have to be a great negotiator. I need to concentrate on that. In the afternoon I may have to be a wonderful husband or father, or I may need a lot project team. Concentrate on the higher level activities. Do that for one minute, then go and spend ten minutes in gratefulness. And I know you believe this as well. And you can do that through meditation, prayer, yoga. We can do it a lot of different ways. But this notice of, notion of being grateful because we know a grateful heart is a happier heart, right? So we've learned that over the years. And then, so you spend 10 minutes in gratefulness and then spend 10 minutes reading something inspirational. And there are a lot of great books out there, Chicken Soup for the Souls. There's a book called Thank You, another one called Positive Quotes. I just finished reading The 100 Greatest Speeches of All Time. So it was Churchill and Mother Teresa and Nelson Mandela and people like that. Read something that inspires you for 10 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes, I get out a journal, and I know you believe in journaling, and get that journal out and write those positive things that have come into your life that may have happened the day before, or the relationship that you have developed, a new friendship. Or maybe it's something about this podcast that we're talking about today. It's something that came up in the course of our discussion that really struck me, and I wanted to write it down, something you said that really impressed me. So those are the kinds of things that I put in my journal, and I only write about positive things. I don't write about negative things. Because I realize that when I'm dead, the person who reads these will be our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And I want them to understand the world's a great place, a positive place. I may share my positive learnings from a negative experience, but I'm not going to share the negative experience itself. So every morning I put my mind in that place. And what I've found over the years is that a positive mindset makes the day a lot easier and a lot better. The world's a tough place. And putting our state of mind first is really a critical piece to our success.
0: Yeah, I love your morning routines. I was going to ask that. It's fantastic. Thank you. I think I always ask my podcast guests about their morning routines. And I think that's one of the highlights of this podcast. So thank you so much. And I love it. Um, I do very similar. I don't have the 1, 10, 10, 10, but I might relook at that actually. So thank you for sharing that. Let's move on to the five principle of personal greatness. I could not agree more with Jim Collins and you that greatness is a choice. So talk through us the five principles.
1: You know, as I was reflecting, first of all, I'd never planned on writing a book. So it wasn't one of my dreams or goals. And I happened to be giving a speech one time and there were some editors and publishers in the audience and they came up to me afterwards and said, well, we think your speech is worthy of writing a book. And and I said, well, thank you very much. But I, I just ignored them. I didn't think they were very serious. And and they kept coming back to me every six months or so, which finally resulted in more serious discussions. And ultimately, I decided to write a book and I had never contemplated that. So that was a, a surprising experience for me. It was a fun experience for me. And so as I've thought about my life and my interactions with other exceptional people, extraordinary people, I kept asking myself, what's the differentiator? why are they more successful than someone else, given what appears to be about the same equipment, tools, talent, skills, but some just differentiate themselves. And so as I began to look at that, it began to be clear to me that there were these five principles that made all the difference in the world. The first is committing to a higher level of discipline, meaning everything about our life needs to be a little bit better and a little bit more disciplined if we want to be exceptional. And the difference sometimes between extraordinary and mediocre is a very narrow line. It's just a little bit more. And so commit to a higher level of discipline than we've ever experienced before in our life will take us to new places. will create the possibility that we can be more extraordinary. The second is live every day with purpose. We talked about that in the morning routine this notion of defining our purpose for every day. And it changes from day to day, but our everyday purpose, what is our highest purpose today? Perhaps it's simply to render service to one other human being. Perhaps it's to be the best team leader that we could possibly be. perhaps it's to be the finest spouse that one can imagine. But if we can clearly define our purpose for the day, our chances of achieving that are remarkably increased. The third is to act with intent in everything we do. Intentionality as we talked about earlier is critical when it's tied to action. So act with intent, don't unintentionally do things, right? Don't unintentionally go, go with the flow or just go along with the herd or the crowd but rather make very, very specific intentional acts that will again, differentiate you from others who are doing similar things. the next is make conscious choices. We have about 40 million stimuli that come into our brain every day. And those are all the voices in the world, right? That are penetrating our brain. And what we have to do is make choices about what it is we're going to do. And so we want to make very conscious choices. We don't want to be unconscious about our life. What we want to do is make conscious choices in all the things that we do. So from that 40 million stimuli, we distill down from all those voices, a handful of choices that we will actually do. And we need to make certain that those are given good thought and good preparation and that we execute on those. So making good choices is really important. The last is engaging in a cause that's greater than oneself. The notion that in the final analysis, I think we're here on earth to serve others. I think that's our purpose, our broad purpose as human beings is to serve one another. And if, when we're having tough times and hard times, if we can go serve someone who's in much more desperate need than we are, it helps us because we're serving someone else. We'll feel good about our efforts and we'll be less concerned about that which is troubling us at that moment in time. So, service to others, being a servant leader, is really critical and being a servant leader means that we're willing to subordinate our interests to the interests of others a great leader in my opinion when things are going really well steps back and promotes others when things are going really poorly they step forward and take accountability and responsibility for what's happened i think if we can remember those little lessons then these five principles of personal greatness have meaning to us Because each of us can practice small things in these five principles and improve our daily life. And that's really what it's designed to do, is to help us take the next step in our leadership. And I I would say that every one of us is a leader. We lead in our families. We lead in our businesses. We lead in our jobs in our communities. We lead in a variety of ways in our relationships. And I think we need to know the nature of that relationship, why we're doing it, the principles of government.
0: Yeah, I could not agree more. I love them all, and I love when you talk about choices because I think so many of us are so influenced by others, and we spend way too much time, in my opinion, <laughs> you know, looking at social media and reading the newspapers and the news that is often quite negative and can really um, make us addicted to it and also perhaps not choose to focus on our own lives versus looking at other people's lives. So I believe that you learned a lot about time management at the White House and prioritizing for the president. But I'd love for you to share some of your rules to be more effective with time management.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I think the important thing to recognize that if we don't manage our time, somebody else will manage. And if we're not working on our agenda, then we're working on other people's agenda and so we have to really decide how we're going to use our time and what i found out in the white house and working for the president of the united states was that every minute counts he's arguably the most important person in the world and hopefully it'll be a she soon but it will he, to it's not a hope time, it will i hope <laughs> I'm very encouraged that there are some good candidates working and ready to spring. And I think it'll be great for this country. So this notion, I think, is that we have the opportunity to do those things that we want to do in preparation for them. And we do them only if we exercise time well. When I was first at the White House, I was responsible for creating the president's schedule and his time and all that sort of thing. And what I noticed was that we were always responding to invitations for his time from outside sources, from kings and queens and prime ministers and senators and congressmen and old friends and new friends and a host of people. They all wanted a piece of his time. And so I found ourselves, our team just saying no, most of the time that what we had to do was say no. So I went to him one day and I said, you know, Mr. President, this isn't working very well. What about the possibility that we bring the senior team together And why don't you lead a discussion about what you want to achieve in your presidency, what your priorities are, what your vision is, clarity of vision for your presidency. And then why don't we take that? And then instead of reacting to what other people want, let's create proactively what you want and let's drive those priority issues, those visionary issues that you want to change about this country. So he accepted that advice and he did so, brought the team together, decided what those priorities were. And from that moment on, we used his time to drive through his agenda exactly what he wanted to achieve. And I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to please people and trying to make other people happy, as we probably should. But in doing so, we keep giving our time away. And as you and I talked in Vietnam, we're given 86,400 seconds a day to live a third of that time is spent sleeping. So what do we do with the other two thirds of the time? If we waste five to 10,000 seconds a day, doesn't seem like a lot, but if we waste that much time, we're in a situation where we're going to waste three to five to 10% of the total waking time that we have. That's a lot. Could we be more efficient with that? If you live to be my age, you got about 700,000 hours to live, 28,000 days. So I'd ask your listeners who are hearing this to do a quick math calculation to see where they are in their life. If the average person who's listening to this is 40 years old, they've already lived more than half their life. So the question is, how are they going to change the utilization of time, those 86,400 seconds, so that they get more out of each day? being more efficient, more effective, more precise becomes really important. And one of the things I've found about time is that people who are really successful know it and understand it and use it appropriately. And people who don't really understand time, who are frivolous with time, don't do nearly as well. The people I associated with in politics, generals, celebrities, athletes, lots, lots of people, CEOs, the people who are doing exceptionally well are those people who learn to manage their time really, really well. And I think it's a, it's a really critical piece. So the most important rule is that if you don't manage your own time, somebody else will manage it for you. So, and then I talked often about the 10 rules of time management. That's part of the book as well, that if you exercise those 10 rules of time, time management, a person will have a much greater chance. To achieve the things they want to achieve in their lifetime you know when i was 19 years old christina i uh, was attending the university of arizona and uh, something in a class struck me and and so i sat down and i wrote the 100 things that i wanted to accomplish in my lifetime and i wrote them and, and typical of any 19 year old some were soft and squishy and some were really high and important and you know grand but it was a combination of things and I I looked at that every week for the last 50 years. And by looking at it every week, I found myself thinking about, okay, what, what can I accomplish now over my lifetime of those hundred, I've accomplished 98. There are probably two that I will never accomplish, but I've accomplished 98 of the things I set out to do when I was 19 years old. So what you do is talk about dreaming so well and the necessity of dreaming and I was dreaming when I was 19. I was dreaming that I could accomplish these 100, and then by acting on them intentionally, I was able to actually accomplish 98 of the 100. And I think that's helpful for us to appreciate and understand that we can design our lives and we can live our lives exactly as we want to. That's not to say we won't have adversity, challenges, ups and downs, we all do, but the reality is that we can pretty much achieve what we want to achieve in our lifetime.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I couldn't agree more. I do an exercise 101 dreams all the time and uh, that's my purpose now is to inspire actually 101 million people to write down three dreams and go and chase them because I meet way too many people who are a bit lost like our boss and the uh, dreaming really changed my life as it did to you. I also love um, that you are looking at where you are in life and how much time you have left. So my dream is to live to 120. So we got lots of time. <laughs> If we're lucky to live that. And uh, some people say that they find that really quite depressing, but I actually find that it just gets me take action. It just gets me back into what's important in life. So I love that you share that as well. I also love what you talk in your book about your four buckets. I love for you to explain what that means for our listeners.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. As I thought about life, I think that there are sort of four buckets in our life, and almost everything we do fits into one of those four buckets. And the first bucket for me is always family. The second is business. The third is community. And the fourth is self. And as I looked at my life, I thought, gee, just almost everything I do, almost without exception, would fit in one of those four buckets. And so what I do is I structure my life around those four buckets, and I set my priorities in each bucket. And so I establish my highest priorities, three of them in each bucket my highest priority for family, my second highest for family, my third highest for family. Do the same thing in business, community, and self. And now I have 12 priorities to look at and to think about. And then under each priority, I list the milestones that I have to achieve and the date by which I have to achieve them in order to achieve that milestone. And what I've found is that that gives me a lot of structure to my life and a lot of things to do. And it also means that every day of my life, I'm working on one or more of those priorities based on those milestones that are time sensitive. And so I'm always working toward the accomplishment based on days or months by which I have to get them done, a date against which I have to operate. And, and it just it's so easy to chart my progress. And it's so easy to see how I can accomplish my priorities. But too often we have a dream, but we don't put structure around the dream. And so we keep it in our head and it's great and it's important to have that dream in our head. But unless we translate that to a structured plan to achieve that, it's gonna be very difficult for us to do that, my belief is, without some structure, without intentionality, without reducing it to something. One of the dreams I had, for example, on my list of 100, that I don't think I'll be able to accomplish is I want to be president of the United States. I don't think I'm ever gonna get there. Now, maybe if I had run in 2016, I could have because we proved we could elect almost anybody in this country to be president. So I need to, <laughs> I, need to I need to, maybe refashion it. I'm not, I doubt that I'm gonna be president of the United States, but I had actually put down a plan to try to accomplish that. So I think we have to create a little structure, maybe even more than a little structure, around the dreams that we have around the visions that we have the goals that we have so i use those buckets as ways of defining my life and every area of interest in my life and the fact that i have to have priorities to achieve in every one of the buckets and as i do that i find i accomplish more
0: Mm, i love that i absolutely love that way of thinking thank you for sharing I also love that you create a personal vision statement. So how can our listeners create their own personal vision statement?
1: It's a good question. It took me a while, took me time and space to do that. And one of the things I think that you and I would agree on is that we get so busy that we don't create sufficient time and space. You encourage people to do it through dreaming, journaling, thinking, and I do the same thing. I believe it's essential to create the time and space necessary to deeply think about who we are and where we're going. And out of that came my personal purpose statement. And my personal purpose statement is to improve the human condition wherever I find it. And so what that means to me is that I can't walk by the homeless person without acknowledging them, respecting them, and asking if I can help them. I can't drive by an automobile accident for the same reason. I can't see a friend crying and unhappy and not be willing to help. I can't see a family member stressed out or having difficulty with a particular task or objective without encouraging them or without stepping into help. So it's this notion that I wanna try to receive people wherever they are in their life and then try to help them improve on that circumstance or situation. It took me probably 20 years to figure that out. But what I realized was I love teaching and I love serving. And that that really led me to the phrase, improve the human condition wherever I find it. So I would encourage your listeners to take time, to create space, to think deeply about their life, what they really want, and what would stand as their purpose for all of their life. What would their purpose be? And when we define that, we begin to see the world differently. And when we see that world differently, we begin to achieve our purpose. And that's really the important thing about it.
0: Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. And that that also gives us clarity on what we should say yes and no to, because I find that it's, especially in today's age, there's just there's more possibilities than we could ever probably do in our lifetime. And there are so many temptations on getting involved with so many different things, especially if you are a big dreamer and an entrepreneur, it's sometimes hard to say no. But having that clarity of vision, I think certainly helps and being really clear on our dreams, our purpose. Purpose, our passions and taking action on all those makes a big difference so thank you for sharing
1: well I, would, I agree with you and i and i'm curious too because you've been asking all the questions and you're doing such a great job for your listeners and for so many tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people around the globe for whom you are the milestone and you're the marker against which they measure their progress how do you feel about those things that we've been discussing and about achieving dreams as it relates to the vision that I described? How do you see those?
0: Well, for me, I haven't actually worked so much in your buckets because I think sometimes when we do that, we kind of spread ourselves too thin. I find like sometimes if we want to do, especially if someone starts early in life with family, business, community and self, sometimes I find that I had to let some of that go. So, for example, when I started my business when I was you know, in my mid-20s, I spent most of my time in that in that bucket because, as you know, starting a business requires a lot of energy. So I probably let, not myself, because I knew that I had to have the energy and I knew t- I had to have the health. So that was really important to me. But I probably let, you know, some of my family and my friend time go a little bit because I was so focused on that. But I was really clear on my dreams. I was really clear on my purpose. I was really really clear on my passions because I believe that when you start a business and if you want to live a life that is fun uh, as well as meaningful, you have to do what you're passionate about and then being very clear on what your values are. And I think aligning the, the values, the dreams, the passions and the purpose makes a big difference. So that's how I kind of decide what I should focus on.
1: Well, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that's directionally absolutely correct. And we share that. And I think we discovered that we share that when we spent the time together with these other folks in Vietnam. And I was so impressed with how you think about people and how you lead people through that process. I think it's very, very good. And I just want to commend you on that and for the good work that you're doing. You just do tremendous work. I've been a great fan of yours and a follower of yours for, ever since I met you. So it's been
0: <laughs> Thank you. We certainly had a lot of fun. I thought you were a bit crazy. <laughs> and I love, <laughs> I love how you you know, are doing so many great things in the world and then you're a little bit crazy as well and so much fun and so many laughs with you. That was amazing. I was so impressed with all the things that you delivered in your speeches and also in your book. And then you are so much fun. I was so impressed by the energy that you have. I could not believe how you, in Vietnam, I was the one who went to bed early. <laughs> <laughs> you were the one who went <laughs> up all night. <laughs> how do you keep so young and how do you keep that energy? It really took me by surprise.
1: Well, thank you. First of all, I, be- I believe life is a state of mind, right? I believe we can achieve what we believe we can achieve. I believe we can have energy even if we're tired, I believe we can have energy because we decide to be energetic. I don't think we have to give in. I think it's not the body that quits. It's the mind that quits before the body. The mind tells the body, "Oh, well, I'm tired. I'm feeling tired. And so then we, we give up, right? We quit. I think that we have infinite energy. I think it's extraordinary how much capacity we have. And that my goal is always to, to go to bed exhausted, right? Is to use as much energy as I can every day. I do that several ways. One is the morning routine. One is right after I get done with the morning routine, I work out every morning. I, I do about an hour of cardio. I do 30 minutes of weight training. And so I'm you know restoring muscle strength and vitality, bone density, those kinds of things. I eat well, generally speaking. I have a sugar issue on occasion that I have to be careful about, but I eat well. And then we have young people all around us, the grandchildren, the children. They're all around us every day. They're full of activity and energy. And I have to keep pace with them. My job is to keep up. And the other thing is, uh, maybe you can uh, relate to this as well, but I've always been a believer in saying yes to life, that when opportunities present themselves, let's just say yes. And let's keep ourselves in a position that allows us to say yes. For example, if one of our grandchildren came to me tomorrow and said, dad, on Friday, we're having a fundraiser, we're doing a 5K, I'd I'd like you to run with me, I'd say yes. I'm not going to say, oh, you know, I need six months to get in shape. I've got to lose 20 pounds because I am ready to do that. I'm ready to say yes to life. And part of that is being physically fit, eating decently, thinking properly. I think all of that prepares us to have energy and vitality and to be able to attack life. And you mentioned a few minutes ago, the 125 years of life. Let me suggest to you that there's a Chinese model that I like a lot. And the Chinese model is based on 100 years. The first 25 years, we're born and we grow. The second 25 years, we're educated. The third 25 years, we produce. And the fourth 25 years, we give back. So based on that model, my wife and I are at a place where we're looking at the fourth 25 years. And so we decided that you know we need to refine our plan. We didn't expect to live this long. So we better refine our plan for the next 25 years. So in September, right in the middle of COVID, we decided to go for a drive. And we drove, drove for 5,000 miles, 14 days, through the Rocky Mountains of the United States, enjoying the beauty of it all, staying in very small towns. We were never on a freeway or an expressway, just back roads. And when we came back, we had a plan for the next 25 years of our life. We spent for two weeks just designing the next 25 years of our life, full of dreams, full of aspirations, clarity of vision, certainty of intent, and driving it with our values. And we find that to be very healthy and it keeps us energized rather than saying, oh man, I'm tired, you know, look how old I am, I'm tired, find a rocking chair, let's sit and watch TV. Rather than that, we're attacking life every single day and we find that gives us energy as well.
0: Mm, Love that, thank you for sharing that, that's amazing, so inspiring. So I love the last bit in your book, Rise to the Challenge, and I love the quote that you had in the book, if you hear it, you will forget it, if you read it, you will remember it, but if you do it, you will understand it. And I could not agree more, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Well, it's from the Manchu tribe in China. It's something I saw many years ago that perfectly expresses it you and I do a lot of speaking. We do a lot of presentations and we'll look at the audience as we're speaking. And there'll be those people who are just sitting there absorbing or not what we're saying. There'll be those who'll be taking notes. And then there'll be those who, after we get done speaking, will actually alter their behavior to do what it is we recommend doing. And when they do it, they will understand what we're saying. For those who are just listening, they'll forget about 70% of what we say within 48 hours. To those who are taking notes, they can at least go back and read those notes and then take action on those notes. But for those who then go do, there's a different level of understanding about what we're talking about because they will actually experience what it is we've experienced and why we're talking about it. And I think there's a big difference between those three groups. And I think that fairly represents society. I would put in the first group of those who hear and then forget what we've said, I'd probably say that's 60 or 70% of most people. For those who take notes, that's probably another 20 or 25 or even 30% of people. But for those who do, that's probably 10% or less of people who really decide, I love that idea, I am now gonna take action. And by taking action, I understand what was said. And I think that's a very important differentiation.
0: I could not agree more. And I I think that's why I put my book into a digital course because when you read it and you might highlight it but it's so easy to forget about it and life comes in between and you think you get to it. But when you actually enroll in a course and that's why I do so many courses is because first you take action in a different way. And especially if you are supported by the person who is driving it and you're also surrounded by other like-minded people. Having that community, I think, is so important. And also, what you said before in terms of saying yes to life. When I started the the business in the early days, and you know, I had a lot to learn because I never had any experience. And most of us who start a business uh, don't know what we don't know. I just said yes to a lot of things, and I just decided I'm just gonna take a big bite and chew like hell. (laughs) And that's uh, how I kind of run the first. Which you know, you can do in the early days because you're so passionate about it and you have all the energy and eventually it's good to start saying no to things, but that's how I kind of um, said yes to life and still do in many ways.
1: Well, you're a great example and a great model for so many people and your positive attitude is just infectious and it's so good. And I think that's one of the reasons why you and I got along from the very beginning when we first met, because we both see the glass as half full. We both see uh, the world in an optimistic way. We both believe the best in people. And we both are trying to serve others. And when we do those things, I think it makes for a good life and a happy life.
0: Couldn't agree more. So for anyone who's listening and are thinking about creating their dream life and anyone young out there to really start thinking about living their dream life, what would you say to them just getting started?
1: You know, it's actually a question I get quite a lot. I think uh, the first is to have those dreams and pay attention to those dreams and make those dreams a reality. One has to decide that they have clarity around that. And that they're willing to act on those dreams, that there are many examples of people who have become presidents and prime ministers and, and who have been actresses and actors and athletes and other categories, right, who simply had dreams about becoming that. And then they lived to fulfill those dreams. Don't be afraid of your dreams. Go march to those dreams. Attack those dreams. Go live those dreams. We're all capable of doing that. And if you want to, to see some inspirational stories in the next week, watch the Paralympics and watch the stories of people who have started life differently than we have. And I like to think of all of those people as specially abled. They simply are able differently than you and I are. And yet they're achieving their dreams of being in the Olympic Games or achieving their dreams of being authors and pianists and, and writers and all kinds of interesting dreams that they've had, that they've determined that they will live you and i can live our dreams we have that capacity to do so so love your dreams embrace your dreams chase your dreams give everything your best effort and we will achieve so much more by walking toward those dreams as opposed to being frightened by them and walking away from them
0: love that thank you so much before we finish um i always ask people about their morning routine which you already explain to us. But I love to know if you have a favorite book or a book that you could recommend to our audience that have made a difference in your life, apart from your own, obviously.
1: There are so many books that are so good. On leadership, there's a book that was written by James McGregor Burns. And the title of the book is Leadership. And so if a person wants to really understand leadership, it's considered by most to be the seminal work ever written about on leadership. And so James McGregor Burns, leadership. There's a little book that I read from almost every day. It's called the manual for living. It was written by Epictetus, who was one of the Stoics in the time of Aristotle. And he wrote 88 pages of philosophy about how to think about life and how to, how to take the most out of life by how we think. And it's a wonderful, wonderful book. And I use it every day, the Manual for Living. I read one excerpt from it every day. And I think that might be helpful to people as well because it puts life in perspective. And I think sometimes in the rush and struggle and fighting to get ahead or doing whatever doing, we lose perspective. And life is a large continuum. And if we think about one human life in the history of the earth, our lives at 75 or 80 years old, it's just a nanosecond in time. It's just as quick as a snap of a finger. It's a nanosecond. And I think what we want to do is to understand and keep a perspective about the continuum of life and our role in it and why we're here and what we want to achieve in the short time we're here. And when we do that, I think it keeps that... uh, keeps our mind in a particular place. And I think that's healthy for us.
0: Mm. Adding those books to uh, the show notes and obviously your book, of course, for anyone who wants to read book, highly recommend it. I want to um, finish off this super inspiring conversation. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself, say, when you were in your late teens?
1: Oh, I think probably to increase my kindness, to be more empathetic to reach out to people more, to be more understanding. Um, Those are things I've learned with age and experience. And had I known them when I was 18, I could have become a, a better person faster. I think I'm an okay person. I have a lot of work yet to do, but I could have had those tools at a younger age. I could have helped more people along the way. And I'm glad that I learned them along the way because we've been able to help some people. But Had I known them earlier, I could have done much more. And so my goal is to help as many people as possible in my lifetime. And those would have been great tools to understand or great words to understand better at a much younger age.
0: Mm. Thank you so much. I didn't know you when you were 18, but um, knowing you now, I think you are the most kind person and the most sharing person. And when I saw you speak, I was completely blown away, which inspired me to become like you. So thank you for being such a role model and with your dream to help other people. You're certainly doing that by coming on this podcast because I have thousands of people around the world listening to this and I have no doubt that there will be some inspiration, but not just inspiration, but also probably 10% as you said, <laughs> will take action on it. And I really hope that for anyone listening will do that. Thank you so much for first taking your time. I know that you are a very popular person to be on podcasts, etc. So I really appreciate that you're taking time for me and our listeners, but also for all the things that you're doing. I was so inspired and I cannot wait to have the issues in the world sorted so we can start traveling again because I'm very excited to be visiting your farm and meet your family and the inspired more so thank you
1: well our family is looking forward to meeting you and i hope your family will come as well because i've told them all about you and what you do and many of them have listened to you and others have bought journals and other things books of yours and they're so impressed and i want to tell you christina carlson that you're doing great work and what you're doing is so important and it's mm. so necessary And I support you. I love you. I appreciate you. I can't wait to see you again and give you a great old friendship hug, which will be a lot of fun. And I can't wait to be on the same venue with you again where we can speak and learn from each other. But importantly, the work you're doing, just know how important it is and how much I admire you for it.
0: Thank you. That was so sweet of you. Thank you. Same, same. And I look forward to um, bringing my family over and have a few laughs for sure again. And I can't wait to be on the same stage. I'll be more nervous knowing what I know now, (laughs) but I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my, how many amazing takeaways. We're there in this episode. I just love this chat and I will re-listen to this over and over to make sure I got it all. There was so much wisdom and takeaways to implement in my own life. I hope you feel the same. I will link to Warren's book and all the other books he is mentioning in this episode. If you are listening to this when this is just released, which is August 2021, and you are inspired after this and want to start taking some action... I would love you to join my Monday lives for this month. It starts on the 9th of August, 2021. And this came about after just finishing another round of my six weekly Monday night lives, which comes part of my digital course, Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I have been reflecting on how just amazing, inspiring and empowering these sessions have been for everyone, me included. So for anyone who hasn't experienced them, it's an interactive session on a video call, which includes me sharing some tips, but also the lovely humans on the call sharing their wins, their challenges, their learnings and tips. It's always incredibly inspiring and empowering and sets up all up for a very inspiring and productive week. I get so much feedback from participants who are asking me to continue these lives after the course. So this is something I haven't offered before. So this is what I'm going to do for the month of August. This is for anyone who's going through challenging times. And during this time of recording, there are a lot of lockdowns where I am in the world and I know a lot of people are suffering. So this is perfect for you to get some momentum each Monday. It's also for anyone who's stuck and want to ask some questions or want some inspiration to move forward for the week. It's for anyone who wants to be around like-minded, inspiring people. That is so important to get momentum on your dream life. It's for anyone who've done my course but fallen off a bit and want to get back on track. This happens to all of us, but you do not have had to do my course to be part of this. It's for anyone who wants to be part of a virtual book club. So for the month of August, we are going to read a book and we are all going to share what we're learning and implement from that book. It's for anyone who feel unmotivated and want to be inspired to start taking action and wants to start each week being inspired to make the most of the week ahead. And it's also for anyone who wants to be supported, inspired and have some fun. I decided that I'm going to make August my best month this year, regardless of the challenges around me. So I'm going to be there to inspire you to consider the same. And this is how it will work. Every Monday night, it starts on the 9th of August, 2021. We'll jump on a video call together. You don't have to be on camera. You can be completely silent if you want and just get the inspiration. I will share some tips and answer any questions you have. You can also share your wins, challenges, learnings and be supported by myself and the rest of the group, which is often the highlight of the participant where everyone puts their thoughts and inspiration and challenges and wins together and if you choose to we'll all read the same book over that four week and share one highlight that we can implement in our own life so we'll combine the concept of a book club as well it will be recorded so if you can't make it you will be able to watch it when it suits you and you will receive a fifth Monday night with an incredible, inspiring surprise guest as a bonus on a Monday. So that is the last Monday of August. So there'll be five Mondays in total. And I'm so excited for you to meet this incredible human who is very inspiring, who will be our surprise guest. I will add a link in the show notes if you want to be part of this or just go to your Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you are inspired and I will see you next week.